Welcome to Dark Days Presents Dark Hammer, a Worlds of Warhammer podcast. Uh, I'm one of your regular hosts, Chris, and I'm joined once again by Mike. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Really excited for this episode. Uh, finally got to the fourth Chaos God, and uh, it's been quite a journey. Quite a journey getting yeah. through all these. And I'm hoping we can do that fifth episode, Chris. I, I keep saying we should do it. So oh yeah, we will happens. do the other the other god. Well, the other gods, minor things that have been spoken about in lore here, there, and everywhere. And we'll mostly talk about Bellacor in relation to that as well. Totally, he's such. And then we've also got that new guy. What was it uh, Vashtor the yeah. Archophane, which is yep. kind of a weird techno techno chaos god. Yeah, yeah, he's from the um the uh, the, the Demon Forges. Uh, in the realms of chaos. Uh, so that's more for 40k. I don't think he's going to be making any, any appearance into uh, Age of Sigmar, but, but maybe, maybe you could. Do there that might be some equivalent too. turn up at some point. You never know. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're talking about Slanesh in this episode. This is one we've been holding off on because it requires oh a big sucking of air through teeth as you dive into um, the nuances of this chaos god. Uh, but before we get into looking at Slanesh, we'll talk about um, game updates and some gaming news. Okay, so Mike, uh, any wargaming miniatures hobby going on right now? Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Coming up this weekend, I'm going to be playing Warhammer 40,000 3rd Edition wow. Chaos Space <laughs> Marines versus Imperial Guard. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be epic. It's going to be a lot faster than Ninth Edition, so I'm pretty, are you, uh, pretty amped Are you it. playing with are you playing with the codex or are you playing like pure third edition when it first came out gonna be using the uh the army lists from the rule book the very wow. bare bones simple ones yeah because uh, my friend actually hasn't played warhammer before and uh ninth has very simple rules but the stratagems and all the extra stuff yeah. really just just makes it very complicated and, so and that's much, actually something yeah. yeah it's something that happens with a lot of the warhammer games is when they have one of those edition resets they have these like kind of simplified army lists that come out with them. And when that happens, that's actually one of the best times to play. Yeah. Uh, it happened with Warhammer Fantasy 6th edition, happened with 8th edition 40k and 3rd edition 40k as well. Um, it's a really streamlined way to play. So you're, you know what the units do. There's no surprises really. And you can just, you know, get a game in instead of three hours, it's going to take you one hour. Um, so I think it's going to be a great way to introduce someone to the game uh, who doesn't really have any preconceived notions about what edition you should be playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, from my end, uh, I have... Oh, God, I've got a ton of miniatures to paint. Like, seriously, I look around and I've got primed, ready to paint. So I've got um, the Drakari from Soul Shackle who I'm going to do in a, uh, a yellow paint scheme with contrast paints to do the hard work. Uh, so they'll be very kind of wasp-like, I think is the look. Because I found an example yeah. online, and I was like, that looks different and different to everything else I've painted. Uh, I've got the uh, uh, the Arbites, uh to paint, so they're all primed up, zenithal primed. So I think they just need to be hit with like a good amount of um, of a black contrast. Uh, to tone them down, but then they're pre-shaded, so that's all good. Um, I've also got, oh, I've got the, you know, the um, what are they called? Are they infiltrators? Primaris infiltrators. So they're wearing the Phobos armor. 
I think it's Phobos armor. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's the new ones that are like the the light yeah. scouts or light. So I've got light ten of yeah. I've got ten of those to paint because they're the ones that came in whichever boxed game for forty k, and they're pretty much what you get in the Morok box game for Kill Team. So at some point, I'm trying to get into the point where I will actually play Kill Team. Um, because that's another way to get your 40k kicks without having like you know 50 models on the board to worry about. Totally. And then finally, <laughs> I've got on the shelf paint uh, put together needing priming is a uh, Delac gang with the Delac, um, the Delac you know elites, the Psygeists, and the Biskine Spectre, which is that weird kind of squid-like thingy, my Bob. Um, they're really fun miniatures, actually, the Delac. So I've had a lot of fun putting them together. And so I just need... I've got a paint scheme for that. It's going to be kind of more of a... a unlike my Vansar that are quite a bright red, I'm going for something that's a bit more reddish purple. So much more mm. dark in colour. Um, yeah. Kind of a magenta. Yeah. And then obviously that's all all the Necromund stuff is related to the fact that I've been uh, playing, you know, running a Necromund campaign for the last uh, month or so. Uh, I think we've got everyone's, tomorrow we're going to be playing at the club, so everyone should be able to get in like their third game. Uh, I've had my third game in. It's been ups and downs and everything. Playing in forces is fun. Uh, people are terrified when you're running around with bolt guns. That, that have good ammo rolls. Um, right. And shotguns with shredder ammo are terrifying uh, when you're just unleashing a flamer template's worth of hits on people. Um, <laughs> that's really mental. And yeah, just, um, just a lot of fun. Uh, so we're going to get in that round of games, um, playing with a lot of terrain, which has been good. And then we're going to do a multiplayer game uh, for the for the quarterway marker and we're going to have kind of a, a bit of a zombie apocalypse so we're going to use the um it's from book of ruin and the scenario is called meat so basically rather than zombies they're cannibals and you get three gangers per gang on the board randomly selected and then the board is covered in models representing uh cannibalistic underhivers <laughs> And it's yeah, that's really <laughs> that's really interesting because you could definitely use that scenario to uh, represent the plague zombies. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Outlanders book. Yeah, the, so there is rules in Book of Peril for brainleaf zombies, um, but they're not kind of the same as plague zombies. Uh, so I thought, you know, people that have eaten too much, you know, of the good meat before it's been turned into corpse starch is much more funny. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, and I've glued posters onto my Zone Mortalis scenery, so it's um, it looks kind of a bit more, even more um, dystopian and lived in, which is cool. But yeah, that's gaming. That's war gaming. Um, so we should really talk about the news because there's quite a few cool things coming up. Totally. Right. Okay. So we've seen more art for the Ulfenkarn book, which is coming out soon, 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 soon from Cubicle 7. So that's basically a setting campaign book for Age of Sigmar Soulbound, looking at the city of Ulfenkarn, which is the focus of the Curse City uh, Warhammer Quest game. Uh, the art is looking great. I mean, it's some of the art that I've now that's now come out for it. You're just like, this is like, this is Warhammer's Ravenloft. This is Age of Sigmar Ravenloft. 
kind of happening, which is great. Um, yep. So really excited for that. Um, on the Wrath and Glory front, we've already had like Threat Assessment Xenos out, which I worked on. Um, there's a few other books still to come out yet, which is the Vow of Absolution book, which is the Absolvers book, the uh, Inheritance of Embers, which is the Eldari Players book, and Vow of Absolution is a Space Marine Players book with a focus on the Absolvers chapter. And then we already know there is a Threat Assessment like Heretics Chaos book coming out, which we don't know much about yet, what's going to be exactly the content of that. Um so that's exciting. Uh, we've also had Imperium Maledictum, which I'm starting to read through, uh, which is interesting because that's our percentile um, dark heresy kind of RPG uh, for that takes Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition and kind of is, is an evolution of that. Um, so you can play as tax collectors or whatever the heck you want to do. You're very mm-hmm. low level. Um, that's going to be yeah. fun. I love it. Um, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, there's uh, Ubersreich Adventures 2 coming out, or is out, I can't remember, but that's more small scenarios compared to the you know Enemy Within campaign. Um, there's also the Lustria book is out, that's quite interesting. Um, so that means you, know, you can head off to Skeggy or the Vampire Coast and into the, into the uh, dense jungles of Lustria and contract various horrible plagues and diseases that are there because obviously Skaven are there as well um, I think there's also a little bit of text in there about the temples that are on the southern tip of of um, the Southlands, so Southlands Kemri region Oh, so that's, really? that's interesting Yeah, that's that's very spicy I'm going to check yeah. out that book, I'm very curious how they uh, treat the um if they even have the colonies in there. Because that was something I never really enjoyed about uh, Lustria in uh, Warmer Fantasies when they started putting the um, the human colonies over there. Yeah. It seems like it was... It's one of those things that just follows human history too much. And I felt I felt it was like, a little lacking. Uh, I don't mind the Vampire Coast, though, because that's just Pirates of the Caribbean Warhammer yeah. Fantasy ed- edition. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, Warhammer Fantasy old world we're getting more teasers on that uh and essentially you know base sizes are 25 millimeter standard for everything unless obviously they're yeah they're uh cavalry or big monsters and so forth which means essentially they're they're acknowledging that even the smaller models had a problem ranking up and this kind of solves that standardizes some things uh it also should mean given that like I think a lot of Age of Sigma stuff is a 25 millimeter round base. So, you know, there are certain miniature lines which translate back into Old World quite happily. Looking at like uh, vampires, you know, Soul Blight um, is fine. Uh, there'll be certainly certain things from the Auric range, there'll be certainly various things from the Ogre Kingdoms range, because that basically is still fan, uh, fantasy range. Um, and of course, everything we still have a, as a holdover, um, which form the Cities of Sigma, there's still going to be plenty of miniatures in that range, which translate back over to Old World. Um, yep. Whether it's Corsairs or uh, what is it, whatever Wood Elves were called now, um, and all those things. So it means, it, essentially, it means they can get off to quite a good start with 
with some repackaging or just selling bases and then you know then fill in the gaps and update the miniatures which again if you place it as a sigma like if you've got a dwarf army for warhammer again it's how much work you want to put in so that's gonna be good um 40k 10th edition god teasers it's looking good um so far they are Yep, condensing things down onto one page, which is very feels very Age of Sigma. Um, but I'm hoping they also limit how many they're, they're meant to be saying they're limiting the amount of stratagems and so forth that you have to pick from, so it becomes more obvious, meaningful choices rather than right. Yeah, y- yeah. Ninth edition has a bit of a um, as I understand it, because I haven't played it, but it has that kind of like combo building that you see in say like a collectible card game that sort of thing where you kind of you shock your opponent by being like haha i'm gonna do these things and then they didn't see it coming that those those little gretchen actually just took out that uh that dreadnought that's an extreme case but you know uh, stuff like that i think they're going to avoid and uh make it such that it's more tactical decisions on the battlefield that matter as opposed to um how to game the the rule system yeah which i appreciate yeah, it'll be good because it's it just to f- feel like you've lost the game before you even got to the battlefield because of whatever crazy combo of things is a bad feeling, um, right? And also like the there's the way they've now split weapon you know, the ballistic skill for your roll to hit on weapons away from the base profile allows for a bit more variety uh, and. And I guess opens up options on design for them, um, which is good. I mean, that's again, that's what Age of Sigma does. You know, if you look at a weapon on a on a fighter, if they've got two weapons, they might have two separate rolls to hit because of how unwieldy one weapon is versus the other. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, Bolt Gun, which is a Doom retro clone game, is out. That's been voice acted by Rahul uh, Kohli, who is in. Midnight Mass, and uh, I'm trying to think of the series. Uh, Haunting on Hill House, Blythe Manor. Um, so he's in that. So he's a massive like 40k like wargaming fan on social media. So um, yeah, Bolt Gun. If you want to play Doom, but you're a space marine, go play it. The game people have been wanting for 30 years. It's finally yeah, here. pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And then that's all I can think of, of interesting kind of announcements. Obviously, we're at the end of Arts of Omen, so there's a lot of stuff online about how that's been wrapped up. Um, Because, of course, uh, Lionel Johnson is back. Uh, You know, Commander Dante is now a Primaris Marine. Um, All those kind of big changes. Uh, It's, I don't know, at least 40k feels like it's, moving forward plot wise they have some ideas um like it's still yep. the end of the world is end of the universe well, end of the galaxy is coming but um at least it moves forward yeah i'm hoping they do something with the lion and uh Rebute gilliman um because it seems like there should really be some tension between them oh you yeah Rebute is kind of the younger brother but he's taking control of everything whereas the lion has uh you know his own methodology for doing things. You know, he wasn't around when this whole Codex Astartes was created. Uh, so how is he going to feel about that? Probably, probably not that strongly about it. Yeah. So uh, I think they should really leverage that. And it doesn't sound like the Arcs of Omen, the line 
did much with it. It really just had the line kind of just show up again and then kind of leaves it open for the future. Yeah, from what everybody basically shows up, lays the smackdown on uh on Angron and um you know there's it's, again it's one of those things of where do they does either side really kind of win? They win some things but lose other things, so uh it'll be interesting. And we'll get into that when we for the next the one after this, because we're gonna talk about other kind of powerful near godlike entities um in yep. the chaos pantheon and i think that fits into it quite well and that leads us quite well into let's talk about slanesh Do you want to start, yeah. Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm ready for this. Okay, before we get to Slanesh himself, let's just talk about all the Chaos Gods in general. Uh, we've had several episodes on this, but uh, this time we've kind of rewritten the introduction a little bit um, just to talk about things in general. So the Chaos Gods exist in all three of the Warhammer settings, and they're pretty much the primary antagonists um, of the settings themselves. The Chaos Gods are primarily represented by four demonic deities uh, in constant struggle between themselves and with the mortal world. The great game between these entities uh, exists on many levels. You have these armies of demons clashing in the realms of chaos. You've got cult-like gangs shanking and stealing from each other in the shadows of Hammerhall. Um, perhaps you have puppeteers putting on sadistic shows and trying to one-up each other in the hidden salons of Nuln. Or even you could have uh, munitorium workers handing out unsanctioned political tracts on one of the hive worlds. You know, we've talked about uh, on previous episodes, Corn, the blood god, the pestilent deity Nurgle, uh, the scheming magician Zinch. And uh, today we're going to cover the dark prince of pleasure, pain, excess, and perfection, the hedonist known as Slanesh. Now, Slanesh is very interesting because uh, this chaos god actually differs the most in each of the three Warhammer settings. Uh, while Korn is out butchering and maiming and raiding, uh, and Nurgle is always concocting his little secret disease sauce in these three settings, Slanesh has kind of had the most meta plot of the big four chaos gods. Uh, Chris, you want to take it away and uh, just kind of give us all an introduction about uh, Slanesh himself? Yeah, sure. Okay, so <laughs> what is so what is Slanesh um, really about? Because uh, that's what we're going to dive into. So, if Cord is about destroying things and bloodshed and kind of rage unleashed, and we know that Nurgle represents our fear of death and decay and disease and and the world consuming us and zinch is about zinch is a fickle thing about there is power out there that changes the world and about can we grasp that power and obviously that has repercussions about can we grab onto our destiny or are we simply uh are we simply victims of some fate that's been laid out for us which is opposed to that inevitability of of, um, of Nurgle. The opposite then to Corn is because Corn is all about rage and hate and anger. Slanesh is the opposite to that because it's about the other thing that pushes us to do things in life, which is in and and obviously inspires us to do things in life, which is to follow our passions. And passion is a 
broad term. And following passions is obviously not a negative thing, but it's when we become so obsessed and indulgent with those obs- with those with those passions and what become lusts and desires that it then consumes us and slanesh is whispering to us. And then the question is, how far are we willing to go? How far are we willing to sacrifice others in order to obtain what we desire? And what we can desire can also be the desire for perfection, which is a dangerous thing because perfection can be this ambiguous thing that can never be fully grasped. So in that sense, then, Slanesh can influence and and uh, taint and and draw people from all strata of life because there are the people at the very bottom rungs of society that desire things, that desire things that have been held away from them. You know, they want better food, they want the riches, they want opulence. And then, of course, there's people above them who are willing to stamp on those below them in order to get headway above. And then there's the people above them at the very upper echelons of power who will do anything they can do to to jealously guard the things that they are obsessed with and they they're, what they indulge within. So in that sense, there is some similarity to Zinch and how Zinch corrupts. But I guess the difference is Zinch corrupts because people are drawn to power. Slanesh corrupts because people are drawn to desire. And while there are similarities in maybe how those agents might create mystery cults to do so, um, the end goal is obviously quite different. And the other thing we should say about Slanesh is that the followers of Slanesh um, don't also have to be limited to desires or um, or obsessions which are purely, I would say, uh, hedonistic and sexual in nature. It's broader than that. Mm-hmm. It can be yeah. also about uh, about it could be about simply about art and beauty and how weird that can get with those obsessions and seeking perfection or what is considered perfect. But it's also about ex- right. finding new experiences. So that those new experiences could be in some obscure den, in some hive. It could be in some, uh, you know, some part of the mortal realms where there is some narcotic or drug or or uh, particular art that's created by horrible means that they they want to collect. Or it could also be experiencing every little nuance of that you you have in combat. So every little scream and pain and color and sound in it on the battlefields. You can you can search for every single little experience, and that is what drives followers of Slanesh to engage in in wanton destruction and combat because they're looking for those new experiences. And as I said, experience can be positive. So, you know, love, joy, all those things are fine. But again, the case is those are in moderation and people, and if people get obsessed, that's where things start to go wrong. Yeah, certainly. It's interesting in preparation for this episode. um, One thing I hadn't considered was that magic can really be a, uh, a desire that, uh, 
Slanesh followers uh, will pursue and Slanesh can actually feed off of. Because, you know, in in the context of Warhammer 40,000, not everyone's a psyker, not everyone's a psychic, but some that know about that could be seeking to receive that sort of a power. And that could be a gift from Slanesh. And likewise, in uh, Warhammer Fantasy, the two settings, not everyone's a wizard. So that, of course, can be something that they pursue. And clearly, that's also Zinch's purview, but I think it's kind of when you have that desire, that that lust, and that exploration of fulfillment, I think that's really interesting to either put into Slanesh's purview or kind of have a character who mixes the two in some ways. Um, and yeah, building on the idea of magics, I guess um, followers of Slanesh would be definitely um, utilizing uh, magics that like do glamours to enthrall people, to get them into their service in order to, again, have the opportunities to explore experiences that they would not normally have access to. Mm-hmm. And that kind of yeah, fits. Certainly. Glamours definitely fits um, Slanesh. Um, I mean, if we're going to talk about Slanesh, then we can also talk about how cultists and followers of Slanesh kind of depict Slanesh. Um, you know, Slanesh is, let's just say, is gender non-specific normally is mm-hmm. is referred to both as he or she or they uh you know they are she who thirsts or the dark prince or many other epithets which which evoke what slanesh is about and then physically and this also reflects onto demons of slanesh and also to the followers of slanesh if they're blessed with particular gifts there is no you know their 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 outward gender. Uh, they may even not even consider themselves to have a gender at that point because they have aspects from the two two extremities of what we consider gender or biological sex. So, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah, it's complicated and and interesting in that respect. Uh, and again. That is not to say, and I think this is quite important to say, is that, again, the reason why Slanesh and followers of Slanesh and demons of Slanesh have that fluidity of form is in the pursuit of dangerous levels of obsession at the cost of others. So it is not to say a character in the Warhammer setting, wherever, if they are, like, if you're going to play 40k, you are if you want to play a transgender character or if you know, if you feel comfortable playing that, that's what you want to explore. Maybe that relates to who you are as a person, all those things. That's fine. But again, the difference is that's about you as a, you, your character, how they perceive, but it's not at the cost and of others. And I think that's the important thing when it becomes at the cost of others that you are willing to sacrifice society and your fellow kin in the pursuit of your indulgences, that's when it becomes a problem. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, thinking of a broader term, um, we're just trying to say that, you know, uh, I guess the way that Slinish is written, it's really just about their experiences and how they can maximize the breadth of those exactly. experiences. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously, if, if an individual, if a character is transgender, that doesn't mean that they're in any way worshipping Slinish or exactly. involved in chaos. That's, that's just... Uh, you know, just a, a natural thing. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> now we've got that 
bit out of the way, I guess we can get into the nuances of Slanesh in the three settings. So do you want to start off with Warhammer Fantasy? Oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Let's start off with the original one. So in Warhammer Fantasy, Chaos is a primeval force that was unleashed in the old world uh, when the Chaos Gates, which were these interstellar travel gates constructed by the uh, old ones, exploded. So basically, their stargates at the North Pole and the South Pole blew up. And uh, the mysterious destruction of these gates unleashed the winds of magic and the dark tendrils of chaos upon this uh, primitive world. At this point, Slanesh existed with the other three chaos gods and instantly began to prey upon the more susceptible species of the world. So, you know, in the woods, you had drunken beastmen fall under his sway and become the uh, slan gores. You had gluttonous ogres in the northern wastes turn to the Dark Prince's banner. And of course, there were humans that were lured by promises of perfection or pleasure. Uh, perhaps the most dangerous early Slanesh cult was the uh, elven cult of pleasure. Um, in the aftermath of the second great chaos incursion, the elves stood victorious because of the sacrifices of Anarion. Um, they had tamed much of the uh, great chaos energy with the uh, great maelstrom above their island of uh, Ulthuan. And as the elves expanded their overseas holdings in the aftermath, uh, this set upon a, a great golden age for them. But a decadence fell upon the island of Ulthuan. Morathi, who was the uh, former queen of the High Elves, the, uh, the second wife of Anarion, uh, led a cult that pervaded all aspects of society, eventually making a deal with her son Malekith uh, to use the cult's influence to make him the new Phoenix King, basically getting his father's crown. Um, this action uh, between Morathi and the cult and, of course, Malekith uh, eventually sparked a civil war amongst the elves, causing the rift that created the Dark Elves of Nagaroth. Now, the Cult of Pleasure, which was firmly devoted to Slaanesh, uh, was officially banned in the Dark Elf cities, but by the end times of the uh, Warhammer fantasy setting, uh, the Cults of Pleasure had become resurgent amongst the Dark Elves, giving Marathi a new power base. Um, that's really the uh, the main big one for uh, Warhammer fantasy. There's also some, you know, one special character who's very Slaanesh focused, who is uh, Sigvald. Um, and he is uh, obsessed with perfection and his own perfection and has a fun special rule that uh, he can occasionally roll a, a fail of stupidity roll and get lost in his own mirror shield looking at his own visage, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, in, in more of a fancy, it's really uh, hedonistic desires that uh, that lead to the erosion of society as these cults, um, you know, sacrifice the needs and ideals of society. I think that's really where uh, uh, Slanesh kind of comes into play in Warhammer yeah. Fantasy. So that leads us into really quite well talking about Age of Sigma because everything you just said about the elves is obviously uh, the past is prologue for Age of Sigma in a huge way. I think I think everything we know about the end times and and uh, you know and Sigma and how that feeds into Age of Sigma is one thing. But I guess of all of the factions, the elves of Age of Sigma are the ones that are where all of that ancient history of Warhammer fantasy has the perhaps the greatest impact of all. Um, so obviously there was the end times, 
and the world that was was destroyed, and the cursed gods, you know, consumed everything, thought they'd won. And Slanesh goes on. Slanesh, Slanesh basically does a um, in the in the in the Warhammer setting. Um, uh, does exactly what Slanesh did in the 40k setting, which is going, oh, elves, they obviously have very, they have heightened passions. I like that. I'm going to consume their souls. And so feasts upon all of the dead elves and goes after elven gods, eats all of them, and becomes this bloated, gluttonous chaos god of of desire and lust and obsession. Now, of course, the mortal realms take form, and the curse gods are like, yes, we want to consume the souls that have been born within that realm and you know taint it and control it. And again, the there are there, this is where the elves come in. So we have certain elven heroes from the end times who are essentially reborn as gods or demigods. We have Teclas, his Teclas. We have Tyrion, who is now still Tyrion, who hasn't yet turned up in the game. Teclas has, through the um, Lumineth Realm Lords, who are from the Realm of Light. And then in the Realm of Shadow, we already know uh, Malarian, um, which is the name of Malekith. Uh, so Malekith retakes his original name and is somewhere in the realm of shadow. Uh, and we also have Malachi, well, Malarian's mother, who is a former f- former high priestess of Slanesh, in effect, uh, Marathi, is also reborn into the mortal realms and is essentially a demigod. And they all together work to trap between using cha- using mystical chains, they trap between the realm of light and the realm of shadow, the god Slanesh. So Slanesh is in chains, hidden due to the, glo- the the gloaming that occurs between those two realms. So it's kind of misty shades. Um, mm-hmm. It's also an interesting part of the world because I believe in that area or near there is also the kind of sub realm of Shade Spire. Uh, which is just an interesting oh, okay. side note. Yeah. Um, and with Slanesh now in chains, this god missing, they go about re. They go about. So obviously there are some elven elves within the mortal realms, but they're not the elves of old as the uh, as these new elven gods see them. So they go about te- basically siphoning off from Slanesh the souls that it consumed. So they all take a portion, they all combine together, they all take a portion of the souls. I think Marathi's a little bit sneaky and takes a bit too many. And so the result is Teclas does his first attempt re- to do a rebirth of the old elven race, and that gives us the Ideneth Deepkin. They have a whole problem where many of them are born without souls and they have to harvest souls from other races to keep them alive. Uh, the follow-up to the and they 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 went and fled because Teclas wanted to destroy them because he thought they were anathema and hence why they're all in the living in the oceans. Uh, then we have um, then we also have uh, the Ideneth Deep uh, not the Ideneth the Luminous Realm Lords who are maybe more akin to what 
uh, Techless Envisioned and Turin Envisioned. We don't know about Malarian's elves that he's formed. And then Marathi's elves, the, the witch elves, um, the daughters of Cain. Because Marathi's kind of playing this game like Cain is a god that's still alive. He ain't. He's so dead. But she has like his heart still and is kind of playing the role of the high priest of him. Mm-hmm. Creates her witch elves plus also many other mouth-shapen elves. So you get the Medusae and the... Uh, what are the ones with wings? The kind of harpy-like? I can't think, but anyway. So they're kind of shaped and and even her own form as she's consumed these souls. She's now a split being and is twisted by elements of Slanesh. So she has like a snake's body and, and so forth. That means Slanesh is drained of power. Uh, but the chains are breaking, and Slanesh was able to birth into this world um, the the newborn, which then split into two demigods called Dikesa and Senesa, so the talent of Slanesh and the voice of Slanesh. So, and then we've got even on top of all that, of course, is Marathi going into uh, <laughs> you know going into going to the island of Deepkin and stealing some magical item which i can't remember its name but it's like a it's like a cauldron and then filling that with varanite which is a form of of uh of realm stone a bit like warp stone that's forms in the eight points and uses all of that plus all the souls that are being sucked into this as her witch elves are killing a lot of people and that allows her to yeah. consume enough souls to become essentially a god so that is an interesting parallel of how she's chasing and eating stuff of Slanesh. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I like the uh, the image that when she's doing her blood ritual, uh, she's basically trying to stuff Slanesh full of followers of corn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nurgle, uh, which is pretty fun, because uh, I don't think Slanesh likes that. That's not a not a meal he really desires. Yeah, because that, that was part of her plan, wasn't it? Is to, is, was to sacrifice souls to Sarnesh to cause it to birth more souls out that were elven souls or something or release the oh no it was release the souls of ancient elven heroes as well that she consumes it's very well we'll have to talk about Marathi again at some point because she is she's complicated and interesting the fact she's a god now Um, yeah, so that's Slanesh in the um, in Age of Sigma kind of like backstory, and there's a whole lot of you know the uh, the header knights of Slanesh, the main armies of Slanesh are obviously fighting to try and find where Slanesh is chained to unleash their god. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I'm just interested to see if they do anything with those two kind of demigods, the uh, uh, you know the Talon and the Voice, because they I don't think they've really done that much yet. But that could be a really interesting angle to have these kind of two uh, avatars of Sunesh wandering around and uh, working for or even against their creator. Could be pretty cool. Yeah, so let's talk about 40k. So in that setting, Slanesh is the youngest chaos god, while Zinch, Nurgle, and Korn were created by psychic resonance around the first millennia. Slanesh was formed during the 30th millennia. Uh, in M30, humanity was in the midst of the Age of Strife. Uh, by comparison, the Eldar Star Empire was the greatest power in the galaxy. Its worlds were peaceful, its technology advanced and automated, so the Eldar basically didn't have to do anything. Machines uh, gave them, served their every whim. 
Uh, the Eldar species lived in comfort, able to traverse the galaxy with its webway, ignoring the treacherous warp storms that were raging uh, and affected all other species. But these warp storms were growing for a reason. As the Eldar turned from hard work and empire building to dubious pleasures, arcane tricks, and sensual excesses, the psychic imprint on the warp began to create a new being. The Eldari were uh, soon haunted by dreams of the growing ent entity, and soon their worlds burned. Violence, cannibalism, and worse sparked throughout Eldar society as Slanesh formed in an ecstatic climax of pain and pleasure. The warp storms subsided, but the Eldar Empire was no more. The region of space now filled with the warp rift called the Eye of Terror. The gods of the Eldar were nearly all slain, and the few remaining of the species clung to giant spaceships called the Craft Worlds, or to the rustic lifestyle of the Exodite Maiden Worlds. Uh, Selesh was born, uh, and the, unfortunately, the Eldari souls would be consumed by this new Chaos God. So most of the uh, Eldari needed to use soul stones uh, from the Eye of Terror, uh, which they grabbed from the uh, different crone worlds, uh, to basically protect themselves, to protect their souls. The Drukari, the uh, Dark Eldar, if you will, uh, meanwhile needed to drink the souls of others to save themselves from Slaanesh, basically offering up the souls of others to save their own. But uh, the subsidence of these grape warp storms throughout the galaxy led to the start of mankind's reunification wars and the Great Crusade itself, leading to, of course, the Horus Heresy. And it didn't take long for Slanesh to find new worshippers to feed their lust. Uh, during the Great Crusade, Slanesh lured the space marine Primarch Fulgrim. Uh, Fulgrim sought perfection, becoming an exquisite warrior, uh, further enhanced by the uh, demon sword uh, Laren, I believe. Uh, the uh, Primarch Horus was able to convince Fulgrim that the Emperor of Mankind was holding back humanity from perfection, and only the two brothers could slay their father and return mankind to a better path. This, of course, backfired, and uh, now Fulgrim is a multi-armed snake man. Pretty perfect. So, yeah, it's 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 a crazy, <laughs> crazy, uh, crazy, crazy um, creation. Um, yeah, it's a wild story. Slanesh. Um, I mean, again, you can see how they pulled that to give the parallel in Age of Sigma with the whole consuming the passionate Eldari, you know, mm -hmm. elves' yep. uh, souls. Um, yeah, I think there's, and then it's very interesting the i guess there is some parallels between marathi and her pleasure cults and the yeah there definitely is a parallel between marathi and her pleasure cults and the drakari and there are yeah. certainly going to be cults within komora and and obviously that's the only way they can stave off um slanesh um but yeah it's fun times um how do you, I mean, there's there's a lot of different... I mean, in 40k universe, there's a lot of different worshippers of Slanesh, and we'll mostly get into that in yep. a moment. Yeah, yeah, I've got some more uh, some more stuff, some more ideas for that. And yeah, actually, you know what? That's a good point. Let's, let's jump into the worshippers, because I think that's a great way to lead off from uh, the review of these settings. So uh, Slanesh worship comes in, in many different forms. Uh, Warhammer 40,000 is probably the most popular, and the most famous Slanesh worshippers are, of course, the Emperor's Children. Um 
you know, this was Fulgrim's uh, original legion uh, in the Great Crusade and during the Horus Heresy. And these space marines turn to chaos uh, along with their Primarch, um, except for a couple of them. You know, there's this real good egg in the uh, Horus Heresy novels called Saul Tarvitz. Really awesome space marine, very cool. Uh, but unfortunately, doesn't seem like he made it off of uh, Istvan III. Uh, the Emperor's children were once a legion that strived for perfection, but have now fallen to dubious pleasures and worship of Slaanesh. Uh, they indulge in combat drugs and pain. Uh, they've created the Noise Marines. And uh, where once they strove to unify humanity and bask in glories of the past and uh, you know, hopes of the future, uh, now the remaining legionnaires are really just selfish and individualistic. Uh, likewise, uh, on the Space Marine front, there's also an interesting thing, uh, which is the Children of Torment, which are a Slaneshi formation within the Black Legion. Uh, this is kind of similar to those Rubric Marines within yeah. the Black Legion, uh, Black Legion that we found last time, Chris. Uh, and it's pretty intriguing that these Marines are despised by the uh, Emperor's Children for bowing to a, a lesser war master rather than the perfection of their snake man, Fulgrim. Excellent. Yeah, I think they're pretty uh, cool. And then, obviously, cults that are within, I guess, non-Marine uh, Astartes-based uh, factions. So um, we have here Black Crusade introduces the pirate princes of the Ragged Helix. So these are raiders who are trying to claw their way to the top of the uh, outcast renegade society. Uh, but again, it's not about wealth, it's not about power, it's about freedom and experience. And I guess when you raid multiple star systems, you're going to find all manner of, of, of things to sate your pleasures and indulgences. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they're, kind of, they're kind of like cool chaos rogue traders. Yeah, that's definitely the feel of them. That's, that's pretty neat. Uh, I mean, the other one, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was in uh, Wrath and Glory Dark Tide, um, which was in the Gilead sector, there's um, the main protagonist is a Slanesh cult in that book. Uh, so you're dealing with um, Slaneshi heretics uh, in, it's something like the Cult of the Purple Mask or something like that. I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but it sounds um, like the uh, the Cult of the Purple Hand right there. Yeah, so so they're they're um that's obviously you know they you notice that things are stolen from murder scenes that are all generally like opulent pieces uh because the the cult is um the cult is devoted devotees are in the lower hive and they're targeting people in the uh in the upper hive palaces you know the governor is obviously one of these victims uh, i'm not going to say more because it's it's a worthwhile campaign to um to refit to revise wrath and glory because this is from back when it was ulysses spiel and we've played through some of this in our stream game yeah. so it's there uh what about age of sigma what have we got here well yeah so in age of sigmar there's um a couple of different uh, uh, Slaneshi cults related to the uh, the Hedonites of Slaanesh. So, uh, you know, after Slaanesh was broken up by Marathi into these these separate pieces, locked away as well, uh, the Dark Prince's worshippers kind of broke up into various cults and warbands. And there's three broad classifications. Uh, the Pretenders gather followers amongst the wastelands and cities of Sigmar, uh, using their charisma to convince these deluded followers. 
uh, that the pretender should become the next god of excess. Uh, they gather armies, influence nobles, and stay hidden from the witch hunters until the time is right for them to attempt a ritual to gather some of the essence of a Slanesh, or uh, perhaps to find some artifacts that will assist them in, uh, in getting closer to the, the essence of the Dark God. Um, there's also the, the Seeker warbands, uh, which uh, search for wisps of their lost god. Uh, they treat uh, with the followers of you know, order, destruction, and death to learn... Uh, find or steal information that will aid them and uh ultimately aid slanesh and mm. finally there's the uh the invader war uh, warbands which uh seek to simply continue slanesh's kind of great work you know follow his teachings uh and by that i mean you know extravagant and violent pleasure and pain um it's kind of interesting because the uh, remaining keepers of secrets demons prefer to work with these warbands seeing them as the uh, best way to vent their dark desires upon the mortal realms um, and I really like the invaders actually because it feels like it's almost like a uh, almost like a, a real world religion that kind of forms from the uh, the old teachings of Slanesh in a way, which I find a, a very very interesting angle uh, to to take one of the chaos gods in uh, in Age of Sigmar. Um, another one we can add to the list as well, which comes from Warcry, and I would say it's mostly of all the warbands in the original release that aligns closely with closer with Slanesh. Because again, the warbands, they venerate aspects of, of chaos which are kind of minor aspects, so maybe mm -hmm. a bit more specific. So we have the splintered fangs. They The models have a lot of snake motifs. They use a lot of poisons and they're pit fighters and kind of gladiatorials. So they have a kind of Greco-Roman kind of look to them. And so... If we go off their beliefs, there are shames the cult who are considered blessed by demonic entities with strength and cunning, and they're called the coily ones. Uh, they create various toxins and poisons, and they uh, have serpent familiars, which they give to warriors, and they use coat the blades um, with those poisons and barbs, and and they also have a lot of nets and entangling kind of weapons and tridents like that, and that allows them to cut down you know their enemies with ease and again i think that reflects back to a different mm. a different kind of um ideal of what combat is because theirs is about veneration glory perfection and and obviously if you're fighting gladiatorial battles that's so you can achieve you achieve wealth and status that gives you access to other um other things that again allow you to enhance your experiences now they worship um apparently a god which they called uh, Nagendra and that is comes from is a, apparently a god beast that was corrupted by chaos uh and hmm. comes from the jungles of Invidia so Invidia is most probably I'm just checking is uh whereabouts is it does it say which realm it is it doesn't say which realm it is i was gonna say isn't it surely in its realm of life yeah it's gyran um and yeah i just think that obviously that snake element clearly has parallels with the um with the daughters of cain yeah certainly and certainly and also the uh kind of the, the Greco-Roman feel that you were mentioning is quite prevalent in the Daughters of Cain as well. So there's really a kind of a double it really of similarities. Is. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, that's a, another warband or cult that I would point to because you can really imagine that that across the mortal realms there will be there will obviously be gladiatorial arenas um, in various uh, in various cities in in cities devoted to you know which are normally devoted to Sigma, but there will be maybe even underground you know off the grid kind of arenas where people are gambling and indulging and these seem to be the type of warriors that would you know worm their way into those locations to then start to pervert and and corrupt officials and people of influence within those cities yeah yeah i like it i like it that's really awesome yeah i feel like uh man, yeah man, age, age of sigmar uh this is one of the places where Age of Sigmar really shines because it's brought in these really mythological elements, as you mentioned with the Dollars of Cain and uh, you know the other other uh, you know Warcry factions, and gives it its own identity without you know it's got echoes of Warhammer Fantasy, let's say, but it doesn't copy it, and also does its own really cool new uh, take on Slanesh, for example. So I think that this is like a really awesome way to make that setting. Differentiate, differentiate itself from not only more of a fantasy but also 40k as well yeah exactly so that's uh, me, on right. the, me on the soapbox but uh, uh <laughs> yeah. warhammer fantasy as well i didn't really put many notes down here because i couldn't find or think of any good slaneshi cults in any of the source books for warhammer fantasy roleplay uh, but I do know of some that were in the novels so we can talk about those at the very yeah, end you can mention those yeah i mean yeah there isn't yeah, there isn't, is there? I mean, literally just doing a very quick, quick Google search. And, you know, there are wonderful wikis out there that compile a lot of things. I think the problem is, is that, you know, the the cult of Slanesh uh, is so influenced by the cult of pleasure. And that's our main big bad of that. Um, right. That we don't really get much about any of the others. Um that's a real shame. I'm trying to think actually about the enemy within campaign. If there's anything meant, uh, I don't there, remember one. Doesn't... I mean, the purple hand is the is the big antagonist in that. Uh, they yeah, that's devoted to a different chaos god. To, not to spoil that's too much. Zinxian. Um, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, there's some kind of generic, you know, kind of like sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of slashy cults that I've seen mentioned, uh, but nothing that really stands out uh in in the role-playing books but again the novels all right you know what i'll just skip down to novels let's just do that right now so there's two great ones uh which have slaneshi cults in them the first is one that's called wine of dreams um it's a really awesome more of a fancy novel uh which can inspire all three of the uh, warhammer settings it's about a young wine seller who discovers a secret about his family's wine trade and goes on to explore a, a cloister these underground gardens and much much more it's very fantastical. Uh, and the original draft of the novel was so subtle that you barely even knew that this was Slanesh at work. Um, and then, of course, Black Library actually forced the uh, author, Brian Stableford, uh, to put in this big battle at the end, which had, you know, fiends of Slanesh and demonettes and, you know, you know, 30 pages of battling it out with demons. So whoops but if you kind of ignore that or just kind of gloss over the end battle it's a really really incredible presentation of a slaneshi cult which uh has an ending that really ponders family secrets and also generational trauma so i think that's a, a great example right there 
And another one is uh, Zaragoz, uh, which is this uh, interesting novel, which is actually set in Astalia, uh, which is a, a nation in the old world, which doesn't get much uh, screen time. Um, and there's a slushy cult, which is pretty obvious at the center of the plot. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of almost mustache trolling in, in some ways. But the way the plot progresses, there's a lot of very interesting revelations about once again, family, um, that are kind of tangential to the cult itself. And, and that's really the main plot. It's not so much discovering who the bad guys are or which chaos god they worship. It's figuring out what really went on in this city that caused these individuals to turn to chaos like that. So I think that's uh, another really awesome uh, uh, example of a, of a Slaneshi cult uh, for Warhammer Fantasy. Ooh. Um which I guess then leads us on uh, to wrap up um, with, um, you know, role-playing as followers of Slanesh. And I think this is where, you know, everything we've said already, we have to kind of like double down on pretty hard and say, A, check in with your players and your GM, you know, what you want to do if you're going to play or have someone that follows Slanesh, or even if you're going to feature... Um, followers of Slanesh in your in your games because you don't want to uh, offend or just go into really kind of crass kind of sex, drugs, rock and roll, hell, like just pure, even just doing really schlocky kind of Hellraiser levels of, of, um, of perversion in your games because... Mm-hmm. Clearly, Slanesh is more than that and can be very subtle. And I think that is where the real power is, is to have these, you know, people who seemingly are quite normal, but they have these obscure or and or maybe obscure, dangerous, dangerous because they are, you know, dangerous obsessions, dangerous kind of addictions those are also powerful plot points to look at and and themes than just oh look you know we've got people that are obviously having a sex cult which is just like yeah that happens but it, it doesn't always have to be that yeah certainly not and this is of course a great example of where to use an x card in your games uh and yeah as you mentioned talk about things beforehand and use you know like safety tools such as um uh, you know, consent form before the game, if you think it's going to go in this direction. Um, you, as well, you know, other um, ways to play Slanesh are, are, that we've been mentioning are, are probably a good idea as well. You know, the um, one that's uh, focused on the new experiences of magic, for example. That's a really cool way to uh, present Slanesh that will throw people for a loop. They'll be thinking Zinch the entire time, if they even think it's a Chaos Cult. Um, they might just think that it's a uh, just a rogue wizard, which is a, a trope in, in and of itself. So that can be a great way yeah. of doing uh, doing Slanesh. Another thing that I've seen, um, I've seen this go either way in 40k. Sometimes there are Slaneshi cults that are uh, uh, abhorrent of body mutilation and body modification. You know, using cybernetics that maybe like the Iron Warriors will use. But there's other uh, uh, Space Marine war bands that are devoted to Slash and love that. So you can get that kind of body horror in with how they modify their flesh, power armor, and other things. 
uh, to enhance themselves and you know strive towards that perfection. Yeah, um, it's it's that kind of the, it's that word of like perfection that's that's interesting because again that leads back to what we were saying about the splintered fang. Like you could have cults and um, and like again kind of hunting troops and who are that again the reason why they hunt the, the way that, the reason why they hunt people is not to to get rid of the rage but it's because of the, the the hunt that experience which then can lead into i mean it could well lead into cannibalism i mean that mostly fits quite well with slanesh you know the uh right. the the ultimate taboo um and that then, if you compare to what we said before with cornate cults, that could look kind of quite regal because they're hunters, but that's because it's a way of, of indulging in the rage and the bloodshed. They're, they're two sides of the same coin almost, which is, is quite uh, quite interesting. Um, I mean, similarly, you could say that you could go down, I, you could go down the way of like, um, is is does, are certain diseases a form of getting experience and pain and that pain, pleasure, weirdness? Um, I was just thinking of Baron Harkonnen. Uh, yeah, that's wow, wow, that's a spicy take right there. That is very interesting. Uh, I mean, clearly Fabius Bile has some uh, yeah expertise in in such things, so that's certainly an angle you could take. Hmm. Mm, I think that's the, the take home is that your cults for Slanesh can be incredibly you've got an incredibly diverse range of what experience means. It could well be uh you know, as I said, it could be art and the art could be it's almost kind of got that um Cthulhu kind of element to it that where it's almost impossible and quite unless you are willing to give yourself to it and that's kind of um i think in the first am i right in thinking i always get a sense in the first eisenhorn novel that the the main antagonist uh i can't remember his name uh that has a has an element of of a slaneshi cult and that makes sense actually because there is a slaneshi there is a um, Empress Children, I mean, spoiler alerts galore. Um, <laughs> Empress Children Space Marine is in the final few encounters uh, that Eisenhorn has to face, and it is a terrifying sight to behold. Yeah, there's uh, this got spoiled for me, <laughs> and now it's spoiled for everyone else. There's a, <laughs> there's a Slaneshi cult that runs through all of the uh, Eisenhorn novels and some of the uh, Ravenor ones as well. Yeah. Um, and and there's it, has a... to do, it has to do with the nobility, I believe. Isn't there also an encounter with like a? I think it's in the second novel. Isn't there like an encounter with a um, Drakari cult, and that has uh, kind of whoa. elements. That's ooh, that's really spicy. That's interesting. I really like yeah. that. Huh? Oh, I'll need to. I'll need to workshop that one. That's uh, that's pretty cool. How? how I mean, I, I haven't read the novel, but there must be some way that they learned about the Drakari. I'm assuming this is a human cult. Of uh, there's yeah there's that and there is actually a drakari present obviously manipulating them um yeah yeah for but their own then, ends. therefore becoming coming kind of lured towards some nash while the drakari themselves might not be right they kind of have an idea that they uh they want to stay far away from that uh 
Yeah, it's almost a, it's almost a it's almost a proxy for them to yeah. then do the siphoning through, which makes sense. Um, that's yeah, that's quite fucked up, man. Um, whatever. Daniel comes, comes up with some great ideas, man. That's uh, that's something. If you consider when that was written, I think obviously the Drakari were still going through kind of coalescing and emerging as what we have now. Um, I'm also thinking about uh, Necromunda as well. Like you're going to have, you could most probably say that there are elements of Drakari, uh, not Drakari, of Slaneshi kind of. You could get Slaneshi, Slanesh worshippers or cults within, say, the maybe due to um, portions of House Escher and some of the no- nobility. Um, the noble houses in the setting. Um, certainly, certainly, yeah. The uh, the spirers are people yeah. that seek new experiences, going down into the underhive, and uh, well, usually hunting people, but also maybe just you know, you know sampling drugs yeah. and other things that are down there. Okay, um, let's wrap up with demons. Uh, what have we got? <laughs> we got right, demonettes. The quick. classic. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah, demonettes. Yeah. yeah, so they're uh, androgynous humanoids with giant crab claws. Um, and while some of the miniatures have been, you know, sexy gals, uh, mostly they're supposed to be kind of alluringly scary, which is how the current miniatures look. Um, yeah. You know, I was actually surprised. There's not too much depth to them. Um, I was kind of kind of shocked with that. But they do have a unique uh, demonette called the Mask, who was once uh, Slanesh's favorite dancer and uh, handmaiden before being cast out to the mortal world. Um, apparently, when she, she was cursed to uh, to dance for all time for mortal and immortal audiences after uh slanesh believed that the mask had uh, mocked them in a dance hmm. so that's kind of cool um there's also the steeds of slanesh these are usually just the uh, terrible vicious violent mounts of the demonettes but uh, an interesting image is that um the herds of them in the meadows of slanesh's realm create this kind of beautiful shifting tapestry as they run through the hills oh weird yeah Fiends of Slanesh are these six-limbed, clawed, insectoid, anteater-headed beasts, uh, and they can be found frolicking through the realm of Slanesh, happily dissecting and killing whatever they catch. So they've got mm. that kind of curiosity. And then you've got the uh, Keeper of Secrets, which is the greater demon of Slanesh. Uh, each one has a unique uh, appearance, mirroring Slanesh's mood when the uh, demon was created. Uh, they tend to have six limbs, uh, which is Slanesh's favorite number, uh, two legs and four arms, typically. And they also have a sleek but uh, goat-looking like goat face. Um, and they can invade the thoughts of their opponents, making them fearsome psychics, as well as you know magicians and warriors like the other uh, greater demons. And they uh, feed off the uh, emotions of others, particularly fear, hope, and despair. Um, I am going to add in there as well Ooh, that we also have... There's the Infernal Enrapturus, who is a, by the looks of it, is a, a specific kind of um, uh, demonette of Slanesh, but is, as it, if you read the profile on, um, on, on Games Workshop's website, the maestros of discordance, uh, they fill the battlefield with screams of pain and unrestrained elation. They are virtuosos among Slanesh's infernal choir, so music. Um, so uh, is, is that the miniature that has the uh, the guy with his back muscles? Yes, back to make a harp. Oh, exactly. Man. Brutal. It's a 
it's a neat it is a pretty cool design i really um i think it's really great uh and then there's the contorted epitome which is uh it basically it's like these two demonettes with a mirror and so they ride across the battlefield like metallic tentacles um and essentially the mirror it you know possesses another you know is a source of of magic and allure so there's that um and then i think the rest of anything else interesting is kind of mortals because we've got um you can get slam you can get a unit of slangor these days i think it's a unit of slangor mm, okay. isn't it do they have actual miniature now? Because uh, all the ones I've seen have been like custom conversions. Uh, there's yeah, there's Slangor Fiend Fiend Blood, so it's a box of three of them, and there's also oh, one okay. in a Slaneshi Warband for Underworlds, um, which I've got that I, I need to paint up. So again, they're what what you imagine they're um, <laughs> they're beastmen, but they're not very furry. Um, they've got you know crab-like claws, um, lots of, you know, gold and and jewels and decadent armor on them. And then they've got a, a habit of wearing um, you know, t- tights or, or latex or whatever the equivalent is. So, and that, that's something which I think is, ties back into some kind of just overall with the designs of them is that kind of those, that goat element, um, I guess is uh, you know how goats fit into decadence. I guess that's that ties back into very classic kind of Satan being the tempter. Um, yeah, and, and satyrs, satyrs as well. Um, yeah, in, in mythology of like Greco-Roman and, mythology, Greek and mythology, just really. and just looking, there's a character called Glutos Oscolian, Lord of Gluttony, and his palaquin is like, or or chariot is pulled by some pretty mutated guys but i think they're just mutants and they're not actually demons um but again uh you get the idea mm-hmm. yep right that's us done that's slanesh isn't it i think it is yeah that was quite a long episode but uh really happy to do it i think slanesh is uh, uh definitely very intriguing and they as i mentioned Age of Sigmar is doing some great stuff with the with the character. Uh, we were a little afraid originally, Chris, that uh, they were going to try to get rid of Slanesh, you know, yeah. because it was just kind of locked away and uh, it was kind of written out of the lore. But uh, when they came out with um, Broken Realms Marathi and the He Knights of Slanesh book as well, they really uh, really brought the the deity back in a very interesting way or very interesting representations. Yeah, um, which reminds me actually, if people want to learn more about Marathi, they can go all the way back to our. our dark elf or el you know elves um episode we did that so i think we covered marathi quite well back then so that's where you can learn about that so i don't need to do a marathi episode um right uh so let's wrap up um so i guess next episode of this we will do everything else that isn't a major chaos god so you know this will be things like uh bellacore uh this will be um the the um Archifane in 40k because he's got quite kind of demigod kind of levels of of uh of stuff going on and it's quite interesting and then of course there are all the other old chaos gods which are no longer maybe part of the main game setting they're not part of the current law yeah. but again do, you may do as well go back 
Do we talk about the gods of law? Yeah, we may as well talk about those and explain right. how that might be a way of doing something interesting in your games. Uh, as always, if you have um, any comments uh, or opinions, uh, you can contact us at darkdaysradio at gmail.com. You can find us at darkdaysradio on Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on via show lo- links to uh, to our Discord. You can find all other episodes on www.darker-days.org or wherever you get your episodes from. And that is it for now so thank you again mike for helping me with this because it's <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> no problem no problem definitely happy to i think it's going to get easier from here on out with uh dark hammer <laughs> with uh other topics yeah. it'd be good to leave the chaos gods behind and look at some of the other factions um i think we should really start yep. it'll be lustria and lizardman i think is definitely on our our list somewhere because that's uh yeah yeah intriguing that would be good before we uh, cover Necrons and the uh, War in Heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we've done Necrons. No, we haven't. Oh, wow. No, no. Yep, Necrons. Brilliant. Well, that's us, so we'll say goodbye for now. Take it easy. <laughs>